Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. How's everybody doing today? 2019, can you believe it? Crazy. It means next year will be 2020. I'm getting old. So are you, by the way. It's great to be in church. Every time we have a sale, it feels like it's been 3,000 weeks. A long time. I'm good. Well, welcome to Amplify. Welcome to 2019. How many people know that without a vision, the people perish? Right? We all need vision for our lives. And it's vital in our individual lives, in our family lives, in our church families' lives, that we receive fresh revelation from Jesus. Amen? And I'm so pumped about this series. You could say I'm amped about it. You'll get that later. Or it's maybe just not that funny. It's all right. It's important that as we take one step towards Jesus, every single step that we're listening and hearing to his voice, because he's the one that directs our paths, amen? And Amplify is God's vision, not my vision, not someone else's vision, it's God's vision for our church family. And I want to be very clear that this vision does not replace anything, okay? It only adds to it. What's been established over the past four years is the foundation for which we've built Church 214. But now we know that God always moves. God always builds on what he's established. Jesus, the cornerstone, the apostles, the foundation, everything that's built from Jesus in your life, he adds to that. Sometimes he needs to tear down things, but that's when it's of yourself or of the world. But this is a building Thing. Amplify is a building upon the foundation that's already been built in and through us. So let me tell you the, the Amplify story. A few months ago in September, I was pushing a cart of chairs. Sunday morning, I'm setting up chairs. I'm pushing a cart right by this speaker system here. It's quiet. The band's on stage setting up. The people are setting back up in kids. How many are thankful for people that come early to set this place up? And as I was pushing the cart of chairs by this speaker, I heard the Holy Spirit shout this word in my heart. Amplify. And it was so strong that I stopped the cart of chairs and I out, out loud I said, whoa. You have to realize that I've been wrestling for language around a new vision for this church for 12 months, since last January. See, the foundation, we've been very um, focused on building our heart condition, the root system to support this tree, if you will, that will bear much fruit because that's what Jesus is all about. And so we've, we've done that, I think. By the grace of God, we've built this root system to support what he's gonna do next. 
But now it's about moving above the ground. We don't stop what's happening beneath the ground. Don't get me wrong. We don't stop that. He's adding to that. So I heard the Holy Spirit say, amplify, and it stopped me in my tracks, literally. Habakkuk 2 says, to write the vision and make it plain. So I got this word amplify, and in my heart I knew exactly what it meant, but I didn't have the language around it. Have you ever had moments for that? In Romans 8, it talks about the, the groaning, that when we don't have the words, the Spirit groans for us. He can bring the language. But in order to present a vision, we need to make the language plain so that we can all run after it together. Amen? So I'm a week later, after I'd gotten this word amplify, I'm, I'm driving back to work from a lunch appointment. And in my truck alone, I literally said out loud to God, I said, God, I need some language around this. Show me what amplify means. And just like that, I heard him say, Chris, it's an acrostic. I'm like, whoa. You know, you know what an acrostic is? It's when you take a word and put it vertically, and then the letters become new words that describe the main word, right? So I get back to work. I write amplify on my computer, and it just comes like all of it comes that's why I'm so confident this is not from me I'm not this smart (laughs) this is straight from the throne room of God and I think that was it's important to state that from the outset we can't have anything any vision that's going to be successful from Jesus that has us attached to it we have to move out of the way I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that amplifies from him because I know I was seeking, our team was seeking, and Jesus said, when you seek him, you will find him. When you knock, the door will be opened, and this door is opened. The door to amplify is opened, and it gives us direction, it gives us purpose, it builds upon what God's already done. It doesn't tear anything down, it just builds upon it. And so for the next four weeks in January, we're going to unpack Amplify, and it's going to answer four questions. First, today, we're going to talk about who are we, and who do we take with us? Who? Next week, we're going to talk about what. What is success? The week after that, we're going to talk about where are we going? And lastly, we'll talk about when and why. So before we go any further, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to be together as a family this morning to just lean in and listen to what you have for us in this fresh new year. You're not bound by time and seasons, but you've set everything in order. And you've spoken this word clearly that this is the season for us to amplify. So I pray that there would be no distractions in this moment. We bind and rebuke every power that's not from you, every spirit that's not from you. They are not welcome here to distract our hearts and minds, but we listen only to you. We focus our hearts on you, our minds on you. Pray that this vision would come through me clearly, that I would step out of the way and allow you to speak through me. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So who are we? Who are we and who are we taking with us? You know, I think it's so important in all all our lives that we discover our identity first, right? We can't do anything successfully in our lives without knowing who we are, our identity. And Acts 2.14 describes the name of Church 2.14. If you didn't know that, I just want to set that stage. 
Our name comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 14. It's the day of Pentecost. There's confusion. Jesus said that the Spirit would come upon you, and they're waiting. The apostles are in the upper room for him, and the Spirit comes down, and there's this confusion. There's this amazing moment. There's also confusion, and it's so loud that all of Jerusalem came and was watching. And some of the people in the crowd were like, whoa, that's from God because those fishermen, they're not trained in my language. It's definitely those dumb fishermen wouldn't be able to get it without God. So they got it. Other people are like, this is nuts. These guys, it's nine o'clock in the morning. These guys are drunk. So there's this moment of mass confusion. And Acts 2.14, it says, Peter and the rest of the apostles stepped forward together. And that marked the launching point for the church of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation on which we build. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, obviously, but the foundation of what we build here was laid 2,000 years ago with Peter and the apostles stepping forward. And so now we step forward with them. We advance God's kingdom. God is always moving. He doesn't stop, and we're to follow him and listen to his every move. So you and I... We are apostles. That's the A in Amplify. Who are we? We're apostles. And who do we take with us? Well, apostles identify disciples to become more apostles. I'll get to this in a little bit. Hang with me. So who are we? Apostles. Who do we take with us? We identify apostles. Now you say, Chris, what's the difference between a disciple and an apostle? And I'm glad you asked. That is a very good question. And I think it's very important for us to understand the difference between a disciple and an apostle because they are two very different things. A disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes, and it means a learner or a student, a pupil, a follower, if you will. A disciple is one that Jesus has called out, and they follow him. They learn from him. They soak him up. They listen to him. They they watch his every move. They step after him. The concept is a Jewish concept. Every young Jewish boy aspired to be called out by a rabbi and become their disciple, to follow them, to learn from them with the hopes that one day they too could be a rabbi and be a teacher and lead others. That's a disciple. Remember Jesus walking by the, the boats that one day? And he calls out Peter and Andrew, and later down the shore he calls out James and John from the boats, and he says, come, follow me. They, they immediately jumped out of the boats and followed him because they wanted to be his disciple. A rabbi was calling them out of the boats. Not just any rabbi, the rabbi. And so they stepped out of their boats, they left everything behind, and they followed him. They became disciples. That's a disciple. Now, an apostle is from the Greek word apostolos, and it means a messenger or a delegate, one that is sent out on a mission. Two totally different terms, right? Now, an apostle was a Roman term, and Jesus stole this, if you will, from the Romans. The Rome, Rome, as you know, at that time of Jesus was conquering the known world right? Caesar would send out these apostles, and their job would be to create and shape culture in newly taken cities. So Jesus was using the language of the day when he told his disciples, you are my apostles. 
See, everyone knew who the Roman apostles were because they were subject to them. They were bowing to the Roman culture. They were bowing to the emperor. It was the emperor's emissaries, his messengers that he had sent out to represent him. And Jesus says to you and me, he says, you are my apostles. You are my ambassadors of the kingdom. And I'm sending you to take new ground in my name and be my ambassadors to create and shape culture in cities, to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdoms of this world. Big difference between disciple and apostle. So, the question is, are you a disciple or are you an apostle? Crickets. The answer is both. You are both a disciple and an apostle. You are both following Jesus and you're leading people to Jesus. See, Jesus has called you out as a disciple, but he's also sending you out as an apostle. See, we, we both step forward towards Jesus as a disciple, and we step forward from Jesus as an apostle. Make sense? See, a disciple is about what Jesus is doing in you. An apostle is about what Jesus is doing through you. And you cannot be an apostle of Jesus without first being a disciple. I believe that there's this progression to our journey with Jesus. First, you, you become a believer. The moment you put your trust in God, you stop walking your own way and you turn 180 degrees and you walk your way or Jesus' way, you become a believer. He seals you with his spirit. In that moment, you are his. And then he calls you from your boat, whatever that place is. He says, you, I've given up everything for you. I'm calling you to give up everything for me. Doesn't mean you'll never fish again. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. But that's a disciple. You leave everything behind. Nothing else matters except for Jesus, and you follow after him. You learn from him. You're his student. He is your master and teacher. That's a disciple. And then he pushes you forward as his messenger, an apostle bringing Jesus to other people. See, that's who we are. And we are called to step forward together to transform this city and this region that we have been planted and placed in. And we're doing this, yes, we're doing this, but now we're being called to take it to another level, to amplify it, if you will. See, we're not just a church within a city. We're called to be a church to transform our city. Let me put this a different way. The, the heart of apostleship begins in the very last two verses of the Old Testament. Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6, the last two verses in the Old Covenant. In Malachi the prophet, he's prophesying, and he says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And the Amplified puts this, this meaning in the Hebrew this way, a reconciliation produced by repentance. See, God's heart is to restore the family, to bring it back to the way we were originally created by him to be. And it took a reconciliation produced by repentance. See, he will turn the hearts. And this was the message of John the Baptist 
to reconcile families. He's the Elijah that Malachi is prophesying about here. And he's the one that prepared the way for Jesus. It was the beginning of apostleship. It was reconciliation produced by repentance. It was the father's heart turning to his sons and daughters, to you and me, his heart so broken, so wrecked for you that he chose to send his only son to die a death that should have been yours, should have been mine, to take a punishment that we deserved so that he could reconcile us back to himself, to bring the family together again, so that the hearts of sons and daughters, you and me, would turn to the father in repentance. I see his love combined with our repentance brought about reconciliation. Aren't you glad for that? See, apostleship is when the family is restored, when it's brought back together again. How many sons do we have in the room today? If you're a son, okay? How many daughters do we have in the room today? See, some of you are sons and daughters that are also fathers and mothers. Track with me. But it doesn't change the fact if you're a father and mother that you're also a son or daughter. And see, the goal of family is to raise sons to become fathers and to raise daughters to become mothers. And the same is true of a spiritual family in an apostleship. See, this right here is an apostleship. This is family. This is the very heart of God from the beginning, to restore his family, to bring us together. And in apostleship, the goal is to raise spiritual sons and daughters to become spiritual fathers and mothers. And apostles cultivate disciples, and they call them out to become apostles. See, I believe that God calls us to a place but he also calls us with a people. Stand up for just a second. Take a look around. Like do a 360. This is our place, but more importantly, these are our people. This is apostleship. This is family. In Acts 4, there's a verse that really caught my attention the other day. It's talking about the believers, the early church. And it says, their hearts were mutually linked to one another. See, apostleship is your heart becoming mutually linked to the person behind you, to the person in the last row. Your heart becoming mutually linked to one another. That's apostleship. All right, you can sit down for just a moment. I'm going to have um, Heather, my wife, and Kip and Heidi come up on stage here. And I'm just going to ask them a few questions about apostleship. Hi, guys. It's like halftime in the uh, message. No snacks. Sorry. So whoever wants to answer first, but... Um, what does it look like for you practically, not practical things, for a spiritual father or mother that you are to identify apostles or, or sons and daughters to raise them up as apostles or, or fathers and mothers, if we want to use that language? 
if, you know, for me, Chris, if I'm honest, this is something that I really struggle doing well. <laughs> um, not that my heart isn't that that to to be a, a spiritual father um, to friends and family, uh, just in the practical sense, being um, taking it from that desire to an actionable thing. Um, even like just candidly, I have a friend here in the church that just recently was like, Hey, we should meet together. We should encourage each other. We should be a a part of each other's lives. And I absolutely want that. Um, yet have really dropped the ball in, in, in being intentional about that. So, um, that's, that's just me being honest. But what I would say is, is that I know that we have a number of people in this church, yourself included, that that are really good at this with meeting with people, pouring into them, encouraging them. And I think for those of us that are maybe on the other end of the spectrum, like myself, where we just struggle with um, making it a priority, the thing that I would say is, hey, just even if it's one person, like even if you can find one person where you can meet with them, encourage them, um, not to not to get lost in the, you know, the the sons and daughters and the in the verbiage, which is which is a great picture, but it's like, hey, do you have a friend? If you have a friend, be a friend, meet with that person, encourage them. Hey, what God, what's God saying to you? Share with them what God is saying to you, be encouraging with each other, be there for them when they're having a tough week. It doesn't take a lot, a text, you know, hey, praying for you today, you know, that type of thing. So I would say practically, um, don't think that it fits inside one box. Um, it looks different for everybody. It looks different if if you're a spiritual father or mother and you're um, encouraging and identifying other people, apostles to call out, um, it's going to look different for every single person that you call out, that you identify. Uh, So don't think that it fits in a neat, tidy box. One thing that I've learned about people is that we're all super messy, all of us. And that might mean that when you identify apostles and you invest in their lives, and that it might mean that things get messy, really messy. It might mean that your house gets messy. Like I'm talking super practical, your house might take a beating because you love people well. And the, your heart condition is what matters. So when someone comes into your home or you go into someone else's home and it's messy and things don't feel like they're working very well, or someone leaves your home and it's a disaster, you go, okay, God, this is part of it. And I'm okay with embracing the fact that it's not neat and tidy and it doesn't fit in a box. That's really good. Uh, for me, practically, I liken discipleship in my mothering with my physical children. So I have three littles who need everything from me, you know, from sippy cups to bedtime routine to prayer to instruction, encouragement, and discipline. And so I think of it in that sense where my kiddos need a whole bunch right now. And so as we are identifying new disciples, new apostles, they're going to need a lot from us on the outset. You know, they might need really simple questions about the Bible answered that to you or to this panel is second nature, but to them it is, it's fresh and it's new. And, you know, the, the question might be like, I'm confused. Why does it feel like there's so many Johns in the Bible? Well, it's because there's more than one. Okay, it's not all one guy. So being willing to have those really simple conversations on the outset, but then also helping them develop through their spiritual maturity. Um, So for me, practically, it looks like giving people a safe place to 
talk about their simple, their simple questions and letting them know that is okay, that's why I'm here. Whether it's a neighbor or a friend, just like I would with my son as he's sitting at my breakfast bar asking questions about being a man of God, letting a woman in my life ask those similar questions as she's journeying through her discipleship with Jesus and learning to become someone who then turns around and does something for someone behind her. That's really good, guys. Thank you. We'll get that later. Um, so last question. What would you say to people in the room that, that are disciples or believers um, that they don't have never identified with taking that next step into apostleship or becoming an apostle? What would you say to them? That's a great question. First of all, Chris, I want to just affirm you because uh, I was praying over the last few days about what I was to share in this panel, and the Lord gave me Malachi the same exact verse, Malachi 4, 6, about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And I think that is so interesting when just knowing that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and a lot of times he's speaking to you, but he's also doing it to affirm someone else in what God's doing in them. And so... Um, I feel like for you guys, as you're going, you know, because I know many of you and many of your hearts are like, hey, yeah, we're here. We've been here for the three-year journey with you guys, and we are disciples, and, and we do want to know how to take people to that next level of their relationship with Jesus. I would say start simply. You know, if you are a hairstylist and you've got someone in your chair and they are going through depression, start talking to them about the joy of Jesus. And then take it upon yourself to text them a verse about finding joy in the Lord. And that is you helping create apostles. That is you helping grow them up in their faith and teaching them how to become a spiritual mother to someone else. I would say debunk the lie, because it is a lie that you are not called to be an apostle. Um, every single person who believes on the name of Jesus is not meant to stay a disciple. They're meant to be called out to be an apostle. And so it doesn't matter where your faith journey is at. You might have just started reading the Bible. You might have just met Jesus, but I promise you there's someone who's at least one step behind you that you can lead, that you can encourage. And so the, the lie that, well, I don't know enough, or I don't have, I'm not in ministry, or I don't stand on a stage, or have never read through the whole Bible. Um, there are people on our teaching team that have never read through the whole Bible. And I'm not saying that to freak you out. I'm saying that to encourage you to say, well, one, we're reading through the whole Bible this year as a teaching team, which is going to be awesome. But, but two, like you're not alone. You don't, you, you don't have to feel like I don't have enough information to identify someone as an apostle. I promise you, every single one of you, I look at you and I see awesome potential. And not just potential, but the call of God on your life, that you are an apostle and that you have value for someone else to call them out and lead them as an apostle. Well, you, you stole mine, Heather. So Sorry. No, I'll tag team. That just basically that, hey, if you have a story, and to be clear, we all have a story. Rather, you think it's a boring story. Like, that was something for me. I thought, I thought you know, my story was boring, but as I start to learn, it's like, hey, it, it speaks to somebody. So rather you think your story is boring or it's messy or, hey, you have a story. And so learn that story and learn to be able to tell that story to teach people about Jesus and then go out and do it. Thank you guys so much. Halftime's over.
you do have a story. I was in the same camp as Kip for many years. I thought, you know, because I, I, I became a Christ follower at a very early age, and so I thought, that's it's kind of boring, you know. I didn't get redeemed from this crazy background. But then, years ago, I finally understood, man, I have the best story. I was just as broken and wrecked as every one of you in this room and listening on the podcast, and Jesus went to the cross for me. I, I put those nails in his hands. That should have been me. And until it wrecks your heart to turn to repentance, man, it's, it's hard to be reconciled to the Father. It can't happen. And that's a continual process. Yeah, you, you do it one time. You believe in the name of Jesus, you will be saved. But that, that repentance cycle is a continual process that brings reconciliation so the kingdoms of his world become the king, or the kings of this world become the kingdoms of our God. Amen? So you are both a disciple and an apostle, right? We just learned that. A disciple is someone who Jesus is working in. An apostle is someone who Jesus is working through. And see, when Jesus has done something in you, it can't stay there. It cannot stay there. It must come out of you. You are both called and sent. And we can't stay where we are. There's always another step. There's always another level. Jesus is always moving. And he's calling you, yes, but he's sending you as well. And in Acts chapter 1, we read about the last 40 days of Jesus' time here on earth. We read about when he sent them out as apostles. I'm just going to pick it up in verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. So they didn't ask him once. They kept asking him. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Great question. And he answers them and he says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, those seasons and epochs. That's only the Father has that. They're not for you to know. But, I love when Jesus adds but. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my apostles telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to, to the ends of the earth. See, the focus of the disciples' question was their circumstances, right? Their question to Jesus was, when, Jesus? When are you going to release us from this Roman occupation? When will we be done with this political situation? When will it change? And how many times do you and I ask him in our lives, Jesus, when? When is our circumstance going to change? When will we see the miracle? When will we get the breakthrough? When will this situation end? What day? What time? When, 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 when? But see, that's thinking that's way too small. They were asking when, think about this. They were asking when to a God who isn't bound by time and space. Yes, he sets the seasons, there's an order to things, but he is not bound by space or time. And yet they're asking him when, when in reality it's already been accomplished. 
And he says in his answer, he says, hey, don't worry about the dates and times. Don't focus on the dates and times. Don't worry about when, because the answer to your question is who. The answer to your question is you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my apostles in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's our question today is who are we? And here's the answer. Watch this very carefully. There's a very important progression here. This is where the rubber meets the road today. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. See, that's where it starts, in Jerusalem. Now, what's in Jerusalem? What's the key predominant physical feature in Jerusalem? Anybody? The temple. Thank you. The temple. Where is the temple of God right now? Like, not the physical temple. Where is the temple right now? In you. You are the temple. The question isn't where is God's temple. The question is who is God's temple. You are the temple of God. You will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. It starts in you. That's the starting point for being an apostle. In your heart. In this temple. In this house. In Jerusalem. Inside of you resides the temple of God where his spirit occupies residence within you. And what happens in that temple will be amplified around the world. See, what starts within you amplifies around you. And you cannot be an apostle to your family, to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your city, to your, your country, to the world until you're an apostle to yourself. See, sometimes we get distracted by Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, all really good places, but you will have zero impact on them until Jerusalem is all his. And Jesus is telling us to go back to Jerusalem, to start there, to amplify out from there. Then you can go to Judea. Now, Ju Jerusalem is within Judea. J Judea was the, the surrounding province, if you will, at that time. So if you're in Jerusalem, then Judea would be like your family, your, your neighborhood, your co-workers, your immediate circle of influence. Now, Samaria, that's completely different. Samaria is the place that you don't want to go. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? It's the place that the Jews did not want to go. In Matthew 10, Jesus tells the disciples not to go to Samaria. Now in Acts 1, he's saying, once you got it right with you, your surrounding circle of influence, then yes, Samaria is where you're supposed to go. Samaria is the place that you're praying for right now to God, that God would remove you from. That cuts deep, doesn't it? But if you're planted there, then you should amplify there. 
And you cannot be an apostle in Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth until Jerusalem has been taken first. All of it by the Spirit of God. Until his temple is full of the presence of God. Until Jerusalem is shining brightly, so brightly that your heart and your life just explode with Jesus. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says this, Arise, Jerusalem. That's you and me. Let your light shine for all to see because the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. We are his temple. And if the temple has not been completely overtaken by the presence of God, then we will not have any impact in any region surrounding us. There will be no apostleship. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says this very sobering verse. He says, what union can there be between God's temple and idols? And then he says, for we are the temple of the living God. And just as God said, this is a promise for you and me, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. That's the starting point for stepping into apostleship. The work begins in Jerusalem. The work begins in you. That's why we've talked so much and we'll continue to talk so much about our heart condition. It all starts in the temple. It all starts with the condition of our heart. Out of our hearts flow the issues of life. And Jesus is saying, I've given you power and authority. You. I've given that to you. You have my spirit in you. That's my power. That's my authority. So take the microphone, if you will, and amplify. This doesn't work if it's not turned on. you got to switch it on. You've got it within you, but flip the switch. And he's saying, I'm sending you out to amplify the one that is in you. My words, not your words. But it starts within you. Jerusalem is the starting point. See, the most important place on earth is the place where you're standing right now. We must start by amplifying the place that we are standing in. It must start in Jerusalem. It must start in his temple. It must begin within us. Revelation 21, verses 2 to 3 say this. This is John writing for what's to come. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's you and that's Jesus. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He's preparing Jerusalem. He's preparing you. So you can't go any higher than the foundation that's already built inside of you. And now it's time, church, to build to another level. It's time to amplify. Would you stand with me? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you.
And you will be my witnesses. You will be my apostles telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Imagine that moment. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood around them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? I think Jesus is saying the same thing to you and I today. Don't just stand here. I've put my spirit in you. And I'm on the move. I'm doing something. I'm stirring something up in you that wants to burst out into your neighborhood, your family, your workplace in this city. My spirit is in you. You've been sent out and called out to be an apostle. You carry his spirit with you. And like the disciples, we need to stop asking when and start asking who. Who am I? I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. To Jerusalem, to Judea to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There is no limit on this earth where God doesn't want to send you. But it has to start with you. See, every year the the Jews that live outside of Israel end their Passover Seder with this prayer. They say, next year in Jerusalem. They're expressing their deep longing of their heart for the Messiah's long-awaited arrival. Now, we as Christ followers know that the Messiah has already come. He's already come, and he's still here. And he's coming back again, yes, one day. Within Israel, though, those that already live in Israel, the Jews, they add this. They say, next year in Jerusalem, the rebuilt. And they're referring to the rebuilding of the ancient temple. And I believe that our prayer for 2019 should be this year in Jerusalem. This year in me. This year in Jerusalem. This year rebuilt. We are the temple. It starts in us. He is doing a work in you. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Believe that. Receive that today. This is apostleship. This is family right here. He does things out of unity. That's why he loves family. And you're a son that he's calling to step forward to become a father to raise more sons and daughters. You're a a daughter that he's calling to raise forward to become a mother, to raise apostles. You are an apostle. He's sending you out. Yes, continue being a disciple. Step after him all the days of your life, but now you're going forward from him. You're bringing his spirit everywhere you go, but it has to start in Jerusalem. Would you pray with me? Why don't you just grab the person's hand next to you? This is a family. Stretch across the aisles. Father, you want to do something in this city, but it can't be done until it's done in Jerusalem first. It can't be done until it starts with us. 
So God, as we press into your spirit right now, whatever you reveal to each heart and mind, I pray that they would take that step towards you and from you as both a disciple and an apostle. Help us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Reveal that identity to us, that confidence in us. See, Satan would try to distract and destroy this, your identity. But God, we say we are confident in who you made us to be. We are confident in who you called us out to be. Sons and daughters, thank you for reconciliation. So now we repent from anything that we need to turn from that's not of you. We throw away any idol in the temple that needs to be thrown out. And it's only your presence that we want in our hearts. Only your presence we want in our lives. Because when that happens, then it can amplify from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, the place that we don't want to be all for you. God, help us to stay planted in the places that we don't want to be in. And then it'll go to the ends of the earth. Nothing is impossible with you, Jesus. So we pray that your name would become famous in Jerusalem, that your name would become famous in Judea, in our families and communities, and your name would become famous in the places that we don't want to be, that your name would go to the ends of the earth till the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. And I pray what, God, what John saw in Revelation, what's to come, that new city, that new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And a loud voice, your voice came from the throne and said, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. You chose us. You didn't have to. You want to be with us. That's why we can be confident in our identity. The dwelling place of God is with man. And he starts with you. He starts with preparing you as a beautiful bride. Adorned for Jesus. And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I'm making all things new. And all the church agreed and said, Amen.